Welcome to the Special Needs Kids Are People Too podcast with Amy Bodkin, EDS. Amy is an autistic adult who also happens to be a school psychologist turned special needs consultant and public speaker. She's also a homeschooling mom to two autistic kiddos, a yoga instructor, a card-carrying Trekkie, and an all-around fun person. And last but not least, Amy is an advocate for seeing every child as a person, not a diagnosis. Because a special needs kid is just like any other child, just more so. Here's Amy Bodkin. Hi, I'm Amy Bodkin, coming to you from the blanket fort in my office, and welcome to Special Needs Kids Are People Too. Last time we talked about diagnoses and how, well, we shouldn't be afraid of diagnoses because of the many benefits they can offer from access to supports and also a sense of community with others, knowing that we aren't the only ones just like us. Uh, That we should also be cautious about the language that we use concerning diagnoses. Because sometimes hidden in that language are clues about what our society values and what our society doesn't value. And taking time to reflect on that can sometimes help us discover opportunities for growth as a society. And it's also important to recognize that without that reflection and awareness, we open ourselves up to the possibility of using diagnoses to dehumanize others. And that's not okay. With dehumanization can sometimes come talk of cures. That's definitely common in the autism world. I'm all for making sure that every child is able to enjoy life feeling good and comfortable. And if you don't feel good inside because something's hurting you, then yes, we definitely want to address that. But that doesn't mean that we need to fix others, that they are not valuable as they are. And it's very important to delineate between the two. Talking about cures is also common with autism research because so much of it is focused on um, trying to understand where autism comes from, trying to figure out ways to test it earlier and earlier, perhaps even a prenatal test. Um, Very little research funding goes to uh, supports into adulthood or autistic health in general. And you see this also with Down syndrome. Iceland has cured Down syndrome by terminating every single pregnancy that might produce a Down syndrome child. I don't call that a cure. I call that eugenics. And that's not okay either. If they one day create a pregnancy test for autism, who's to say that child doesn't have value 
just the way they are? Who gets the decision, the right to decide who has value and who doesn't have value? Whose life has value and whose life doesn't? I don't think that's I don't think that's a decision or a right that is within our reach. I think that if anybody thinks that we are good enough to be able to decide who has value and who doesn't, then we're probably kidding ourselves. With talk of cures and potentially leading to eugenics, we can also see the curtailing of rights. Now, I understand that there are some limitations. If you can't see, it's probably not the best decision to drive a car that requires seeing. And there are certain limitations that all of us have in life just different ones for different people. But then there are limitations that are placed on people because of a diagnosis and not because it's impossible. For example, you can be barred from military service due to a celiac disease diagnosis. And the argument that I have heard is that it's because the MREs are made from wheat. Well, you know, they make a lot of things gluten-free these days. I'm pretty darn certain that we can make MREs gluten-free. Uh, so, and sometimes it's the way that we have imagined how things have to be. And we're blind to the possible adaptations that can be made to make more things possible for more people. You know... If we do at some point create a self-driving car, that would open up personal transportation for people who can't see or have significant vision deficits. So, you know, there are options out there, and the only thing that's really limiting us is fear. And a lack of creativity. <laughs> you know, I mean, who's to say that other things will not um, be set up as unaccessible? In fact, um, you've, there is um, a state that has started designating autism on driver's licenses, um, which... Initially, that sounds like a good idea, but that's also a really good way of tracking individuals and potentially creating a way of curtailing rights. So that's a problem. Going back to uh, eugenics, I mean, obviously that continues to happen. We look at the past and we think that the past was so archaic that they they were so ignorant compared to us. Hitler rounded up 
children with Down syndrome and adults with Down syndrome and had them terminated. And that is still happening today by going a step earlier and terminating those pregnancies to keep from having to deal with the people born of those pregnancies. And if Hitler had had that kind of prenatal testing, I guarantee it would have been used. So we may think that we are highly evolved, but we still deal with the same failings and shortcomings as the generations before us. Because we're all people. We all deal with a lot of the same challenges. That's why mythology is... Well, mythology is one of my special interests. A lot of autistics have a special interest. Mine is mythology. And what I love about it is that they're the stories that we've told for thousands of years in different cultures. And a lot of times they talk about the same themes because they're themes that resonate with people cross-culturally, across time and language barriers. They represent our humanity. And so I think that is really, you know, comes down to what we're getting at here. Parents are supposed to love their children. Not because they're typical, not because they are not diagnosed with a diagnosis, not because they're healthy, not because of what they choose to do with their lives, not because of the life choices that they make, simply because they are their children. And when we choose to avoid pregnancies with a particular diagnosis, we are saying that those people don't have value. When we choose to excommunicate our child and not talk to them because of a choice they made, we are saying that we can't love our child for where they're at right now. Now, I'm not talking about setting up boundaries. Sometimes you do have to set boundaries with family members to keep people safe. But just because your child makes a different lifestyle choice or a different career choice than what you want or a different faith choice doesn't mean that you can stop loving them. That's what parenting's all about. It's what makes parenting such a challenge and it also is what makes parenting such an opportunity for growth. It is teaching you what it really means to love without conditions. Unlike any other relationship we have in life. And how many of our problems, you know, relational issues with children, lack of confidence, um, lack of being allowed 
the opportunity to exist, how many of those problems would go away if we simply went home and loved our family? The quote is, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. It's been attributed to Mother Teresa, but she didn't actually say it. But if we went home and just loved our family, how many problems would be solved when you really love the people in your home, no matter who they are, no matter how different they are? It teaches you how to love people outside your family better. Because there you're getting an up-close view and personal of all the little annoyances. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like to joke that in the pandemic, my husband basically lived Groundhog Day over and over again. Because me and the kids were all very happy doing the same thing over and over again for days. I could eat mac and cheese for an entire week, guys, without being concerned at all. <laughs> and... Uh, he, he did not have as much variety. So, you know, you get up close and personal views of some of that. Living in the house with me, my husband gets to see meltdowns. It, they still happen. Um, and all kinds of things that he wouldn't see otherwise. So I think that, that that's a very valuable opportunity for us to really grow as people. And I have a blessing that I would like to share with you today, because we've talked a lot about what it means to be a parent, because at, at the end of the day, it's parents who have the biggest influence in whether or not their children are loved and accepted and given the opportunity to have life and to be accepted, and to have opportunities and rights. This blessing is an old one, thousands of years old, and it's been a part of Western culture for thousands of years, and it's greatly influenced my parenting. A lot of these ideas came from a uh, blog series that I watched on olifebeta.com. The priestly blessing is found in Numbers 6, 24 through 26 at the completion of the tabernacle. It is a blessing that many Jewish parents say over their children every Friday night and that Christians often sing to each other in their churches. And it even appears in pop culture in the form of the Vulcan greeting, Live Long and Prosper, using half of the hand gestures used by Israelite priests while saying the priestly blessing. It is, May God bless you and keep you. Let God shine his face upon you and grant you grace. Let God lift his face towards you and grant you peace. If we think of this blessing as three blocks that build on each other throughout our children's childhoods, the first line would be the foundational block. The word blessing in the Bible is associated with the idea of increasing. As women, we carry our babies in our wombs with the idea of increasing that baby so it can be born to a life independent of our body. 
The word keeping, on the other hand, implies the opposite kind of energy. Whereas blessing is a positive energy in the action of nurturing the child's growth, keeping or safeguarding is a negative energy in the action of keeping that child protected and safe from harm. And now for a word about our sponsors. Today's sponsors are me and a Charlotte Mason plenary. You can find out more about my advocacy work, working with parents and professionals to provide support for special needs families and children and encouraging people to see children as people at amybodkin.com. Charlotte Mason Plenary is a homeschool company that supports children of all sorts of different types of needs with finding a curriculum that is a perfect fit for you and your family, doing it your way. Definitely check out the free 20 principles study. It is fantastic. There are videos for Charlotte Mason's 20 principles beginning with children are born persons, which is why she is my favorite educational philosopher. You can find out more about a Charlotte Mason plenary and check out the 20 principles study at cmplenary.com. Both the words bless and keep actually come from the same Hebrew root, wor root word, the word for womb. Interestingly enough, the word for the emotion of compassion is also derived from the name of this most motherly organ in the human body. And having compassion is really nothing more than feeling such a strong sympathy with another that we desire to nurture and safeguard that person. This is something that we began doing when our children were first being formed and something we continue to do until they are one day able to do those things for themselves. We nurture them physically, emotionally, intellectually, and morally, that they will one day become adults. And we keep them from harm, both from threats outside themselves and inside themselves. The second block would be the second line. Only the second and third lines mention the face. Once our child is born, the first thing we do is smile and shine our face lovingly down upon our child. The child hasn't done a single thing yet, but we love him or her simply because he or she is ours. That is the very definition of grace, a love that is freely given. It is a top-down kind of love that depends only on one person, the parent. There is no plan to fix the child, because he or she is not enough as is, but this kind of love does unintentionally lead to the child's growth, because it imbues the child with the confidence to look his mother in the face, to babble, to take those first steps, go away from his mother, to meet other people, to try new skills and new activities. It is probably the one thing each child needs more than anything else. The third block is the final line. As our children grow, they begin to take on more and more independence, to make more and more decisions for themselves. We begin to meet their gaze instead of looking down at them. And as they make choices, some of which we will not always agree with. 
we try to give them a sense of peace. Love without a guilt trip. This is a much more difficult kind of love for a parent to give, to let go and accept your child even when they disappoint us. I am beginning to work through some of this now myself as I begin this letting go with my own kids. I am beginning to focus less and less on nurturing and protecting them, and to instead begin to focus on nurturing and protecting the boundaries that protect the sacred space of our relationship to make sure that is always there for both of us. And really, that's what we do as parents. We nurture and protect them until they can do it for themselves. And when they can do it for themselves, and even when they can't do it for themselves, but they start to make some of their own choices and exert some of their own ideas, we have to learn to nurture and protect the space between us, the space in which our relationship resides, so that it will always be there. We have to have a respect for them as people and to give them room to be themselves, to be the people that they were born to be. How many things, how many inventions, how many discoveries, how many, uh, how might the world be different if we made sure that no one was ever born with a disability? There's a Star Trek episode, you know, there's always a Star Trek episode to describe everything in life in which it was in The Next Generation, and they are going to contact this colony that has an asteroid headed towards it that will destroy the planet so that they can evacuate them. And when they, they get down there, they discover that the colony is a genetically designed colony. And so they can't just be uprooted without disrupting the balance of the entire colony. And they're trying to figure out how they can potentially divert the asteroid, which is way too big to move, so that they don't have to displace the colonists elsewhere. Well, as they're trying to figure it out, they finally figure out that they do have the technology to make it happen. They just hadn't thought about using it in that way before. And the technology that was used to displace that asteroid and save that world was the technology used to make a visor to allow a blind man to see. A man who would have never been born on that colony because nobody was ever born without perfect vision. Necessity is often the mother of invention. So many of our scientific advances have happened because we had a problem to solve. We want to be able to expand the quality of life and freedom and opportunities. And when we consider it that way, we come up with great inventions. We develop a wonderful sense of compassion. 
of being able to look at the world from another perspective and find ways to make the world a better place for everyone to live in. But it's our differences that make that possible. And it's really important that we begin to look at the words we use and the ways that we see things and ask ourselves, what does this say about us as a society? What does this say about what we value as a people? Do these words and these actions say that we value diversity? Do these words and ideas and actions say that we only value certain types of people? This is an ongoing battle that we've been fighting since the beginning of time and that we will continue fighting. We're never going to win this. It's not a war to be won. It's a battle to be waged because it's fighting the battle that makes us better people. We have to fight battles in order to grow within ourselves. It is that challenge that pushes us to grow as a society. And sometimes it can be very encouraging to go back and read stories about times that other people have battled the same challenges whether they won or they lost. To know that we're not alone. That we're not the first ones to have had to challenge our own previous conceptions to expand our minds in new ways. It's part of being human. And it's something that we all have to do. Even if you have a diagnosis, that doesn't mean that you don't have some kind of a bias, either about yourself or about somebody else. It's something we're always working and growing into. So go home and love your family. And while you're at it, go home and love yourself. Because we love our families best when we love ourselves for who we are too. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you guys next time. We hope you had fun listening to today's episode and gained some new insights into the wonderful variety of people in our world. You can find out more about Amy's advocacy work at amybodkin.com. And remember, special needs kids are people too.